0: From Montana for Montana, it's Voices of Montana. Hi, I'm Tom Schultz, host of the program. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and please contact me here for show suggestions or comments at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. Boy, there's sure a full plate to talk about here with Montana Senator Steve Daines checking in. Israel and Hamas, some developments there, Russia and Ukraine. That's ongoing. The senator has supported funding there. Um, what's what's the end game? That's something to talk about. An open U.S. border, the 2024 elections around the corner. We'll talk about how some Montana farmers are in Israel volunteering to help the country pick up the egg pieces again in the aftermath of war there and even closer to home a tentative mediation agreement over Columbia River operations that was leaked and has the potential to replace the the dams on the Snake River we'll talk about that today Mark Lambrick will join us a bit later on on that first up Senator Steve Daines on Voices of Montana I hope you guys are doing well today really do second day of the week getting our work done and uh, and gearing up for whatever Montana brings Two decades strong and working on three. We'll keep at it here, too, from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana. Talked about this last week and development that came down the pike. Uh, We had Mark Lambrecht on, had a few minutes on Thursday's show to kind of get an overview of what this tentative mediation agreement is is about here. Um, And it is a a court-ordered mediation agreement. There's a settlement uh, in a suit uh, so tentative settlement. Um, that's sort of the, the background for this, but we are, uh, going to get more on the reactions have been, uh, mixed an awful lot, uh, certainly from the energy officials who believe that, uh, in this document, uh, there is this, uh, very much the threat of replacing dams on the snake river. And, uh, that is very much, um, uh, a- a drastic a drastic development i think or at least a major development and these documents had to be leaked for that so there's some concern about that but um i uh, requested comment from our delegation and montana senator steve Daines joins us now he says i uh, i'll get on the show and talk about it and i very much appreciate that how are you senator
1: hey good morning todd glad to join you
0: thank you for being here appreciate that first uh, your thoughts on this
1: well look this is another example of a, a radical agenda coming from joe biden and senate democrats this was a backroom agreement they hatched and it shows i think it reveals the true colors of this administration that they'll stop at nothing to pursue their radical green agenda you think about uh breaching dams tom i didn't think i'd live to see a day when the left of course they went after they start attacking coal plants they attack oil they attack natural gas uh and now they're they're going after a renewable source of energy called hydropower that has a, is a zero-carbon source of energy, and now they want to breach those dams. This just shows you the insanity of the left, how radical they are. This should be the last option on the table. Breaching dams, it, it's, it's just a very radical position, Tom, and we are all in this fight. I sent a letter uh, on November 21st, joining Senators Crapo and Risch, the two Idaho senators, the three of us signed this letter off to the President of the United States. So uh, it's it's a fight, it's game on, and we need yeah. to have Montana's continue to scream loud and clear. I'm glad glad to see Mark Lambrecht uh, part of the show this uh, this morning because Mark's a great ally here, and we just need common sense. We need balanced, we need balanced energy options and that includes coal, it includes oil, it includes natural gas, it includes wind, it includes solar, it includes hydro. When you think about Montana, we get much of our electricity from hydropower.
0: You know, we see... Um and I appreciate that, Senator, uh, that it, it, it is a battle against his administration, but I think we see misguided activists in, in my mind, and as you're noting there as well. How do we, how do we educate the public? How, how do we get um, what I think a lot of people want here instead of these backdoor, what would be presumably radical ideas – uh, we want collaboration. Uh, it, this document had to be leaked, and uh, there's a lot of energy officials who should be included in this that um, are not a part of this. So how do we how do we uh, turn that around and get all the people collaborating?
1: Yeah. Well, th- th- the problem we have is collaboration is a good thing, but it, at some point, if there is a, a bureaucrat in power, uh, if there is a deep pocketed radical environmental group that can get in front of a ninth circuit judge or a federal district judge that has sympathies towards these radical arguments they really usurp the democratic process public collaboration and unilaterally come down with these decisions we see that with grizzly bears we see that with uh, with forest management and now we're seeing it in in with hydropower and with dams we need to let the science and common sense lead this discussion not a radical ideology the problem we have Tom is that these folks uh, are are viewing climate change like a religion mm. and, and so when they wake up in the morning they worship this religion and they aren't about rational views and balance on this and, and this is this is truly a far-left agenda and this is why as we think what was coming up in 2024 Tom really really important the state of Montana ensures that we send the right leaders back to Washington who believe in a balanced energy portfolio who will stand with Montanans and not allow these radical uh, decisions to come down from from the Biden administration.
0: Fifth generation Montanan Steve Daines with us here, U.S. Senator, brings 28 years of private sector experience to Washington, D.C., served in the House and now serving in the Senate. What can Congress do about this, Senator?
1: Well, first of all, it is, it's Congress that has the authority to remove dams on the lower Snake River. Uh, it, 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 it is not something the administration should be able to do. And, and this is where you have too much power in the executive branch. Our founding fathers feared kings. They feared concentrations of power. They feared tyranny. And that was what the American Revolution was about, is, is decentralizing power and moving back to the people, back to the states. And so th- this is going to be a fight this is why it's so important that uh, we have a Republican president, a Republican United States Senate, because we have been given the responsibility by our founding fathers to approve judges. And, and that's why you take a look at John Tester's record of voting versus my record of voting. Go look at all the judge votes that we have cast. You'll see, virtually every one of them, John Tester and I vote differently. And that's because these are two very different kinds of judges, judges that get nominated from President Trump and a Republican president versus these radicals that are coming from Joe Biden and the Democrats. And the courts now have a lot of this power. So this gets back to the need for Congress to step up. We need to continue to express our concerns and move forward legislatively. So I introduced a bill that would protect these dams, and we're getting bipartisan support on it as well testers not on that bill, by the way, either. Yet yeah, we we need to get Republicans and Democrats on that bill.
0: Well, and I, I think that's a that's a big part of this as well. I mean, uh, but people. I don't know, Senator. I think people are backing up a little bit. I, I think there's been um, more and more pushback against some of these ideas that don't seem balanced. Um, I, I don't know. I can't speak. Uh, and I have asked for comment, um, and they have responded. Uh, and uh, I will get a comment or a statement uh, from the senator on this one as well just moving forward um how how do we uh, try to move forward now this is a mediation agreement so there is a lawsuit uh, potential um and that's what the Dem- december 15th deadline is is that they have to have some type of agreement or the um the lawsuit the suit will continue this is a tentative agreement um uh, what do we have to back up from this um are uh, are the energy officials that you're talking to i know they have concerns about it um can, uh, are, are, gonna, are they going to be able to weigh in on this?
1: Well, I, I think it's important that, that both sides of the story are heard. At the moment, I think the, the folks who want to breach these dams, their story has been heard uh, by some of these officials. We've got to make sure we present the strong counter argument. And at a time when, re- remember, um, the amount of energy that's going to be needed in the world – is going to be increasing fifty percent in the next twenty five years. Yes, uh, and, and so we don't need to find ways to decrease energy options. We need to find ways to increase more energy options to make our energy portfolio even bigger, larger, more affordable. I, I think when the when the dust all settles, energy security becomes national security. Uh, we saw that with Vladimir Putin when he weaponized natural gas in Europe and used that as leverage against Europe. Look, the Iranians the Iranians are using energy as a way to fund their terror activities. We cannot allow America to, to fade into, into uh, irrelevance because we don't have a robust energy portfolio because that has a direct effect on our economy and our national security.
0: It's as important as anything, I think, right now. And you've got a lot of issues that, uh, that are on your plate, too. You look at Israel and Hamas and Russia and Ukraine, the U.S. open border, the 2024 elections uh, as well. Um, the way we are not doing the math, uh, and it's pretty plain math out there as well, on our energy, uh, to me, it makes me suspicious. It, it signals there's an, uh, another agenda going on here.
1: Well, there is another agenda going on, and that is the left. Uh, it, it is a radical agenda. And that, that, that's why, you know, Tom. When I was growing up in Montana, um, my my grandpa Dane there from Billings was a Democrat. Uh, my dad uh, was a Democrat, it, but these were different Democrats back mm-hmm. in those days. The Democrats of Mike Mansfield and um, uh, and, and th- those that my my Norwegian uh, ancestors in Montana were the kind of those prairie populists that came out to Montana homesteaded uh, over a hundred years ago. The, 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 the Democrat Party today has become uh, ideologically radical on the issue of energy. Uh, they are embracing this green agenda that is, I think, is very dangerous for our country. And it, it, what's crazy, you saw when Xi Jinping and Joe Biden had their meeting in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. Look at who's sitting right by President Biden across the table from Xi Jinping. It was John Kerry, Biden's climate Czar. So of all the issues we're facing right now in the world. As it relates to the aggression of radical Islamic groups that we saw attacking Israel, we see the aggression of Vladimir Putin, the aggression of Iran, the aggression of North Korea, the aggression of China as well. And they've got John Kerry there to talk about the climate. And, and I mean, it, it really shows you where their priorities are and how misplaced their priorities are and frankly, how wrong their ideology is.
0: Montana Senator Steve Daines, uh, I've got a couple of minutes before the break here, Senator, and I... Uh... Um, I don't know if you have anything to kind of close uh, the book on this. Uh, December 15th is a tentative deadline. Um, I know it is a long process going forward um, and and still looking for some kind of collaboration. Are there groups out there that that you can work with when it comes to um, the math, the actual math behind green energy?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, one of the great voices – that I think is a voice of reason in this debate is who you're going to be speaking with today uh, on your show It's Mark Lambrecht. Mm-hmm. Look at the rural co-ops. I've always said our rural co-ops across Montana, you know, we have something like 400,000 Montanans to, to get their energy from a rural co-op. They are really, I think, the center of gravity of reasonable common sense collaboration. You take a look at who is served by rural co-ops across Montana we're electric co-ops are talking about here. It's virtually every corner of our state and in between. And and that's, I, I look to my co-ops there as being a sound voice of reason. I'm really glad you're going to hear Mark's voice on this because it, it tends to be a nonpartisan voice. It tends to be a voice of reason. It's rational because they're looking out for everyday Montanans who all Montanans want to have is affordable, reliable, and resilient energy. That's what we
0: need. I appreciate that. I know he will too. I mean, he is – Probably doesn't consider himself, but he's become very much uh, one of our regional energy uh, expert analysts, or uh, analysts, I should say. And. Mm-hmm. Um, so joining us in, in a bit. I'm going to take a break, Senator. I, I appreciate you standing by because there's a lot of things on your plate. Um, we're going to move over to Israel and talk about Hamas. And, and uh, I know that you had spoken with some Montana farmers there volunteering to help. And uh, I'm looking forward to that story. We've got border security to come as well. Montana Senator Steve Daines is with us here. And uh, we have got an open line at 866-627-5483. And you can text us here at 781-627-5483. We've got Russia. And Ukraine to talk about as well. Back with more from Montana for Montana's Voices of Montana. It's a pleasure to talk once again with Montana U.S. Senator Steve Daines, uh, of course, uh, a lifelong Montanan as well, and a sportsman who grew up uh, in Bozeman. And I'm sorry about uh, I'm sorry about your Bobcats over the weekend, uh, Senator. It was a tough way to see their season end.
1: Huh? Oh, there's 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 painful ways to lose. But uh, to lose against the Bison oh. on a walk-off uh, blocked extra point was just is uh, stunning. I and, know. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to be ha- I'm going to be on heavy medications and therapy now here for a couple of months, Tom. <laughs> so bear with me.
0: I believe you, yeah, and you're probably not alone there. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and it's good. It's good. It should it should hurt at a deep level. You know that should that's hurt. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm proud proud of the Cats and yeah. proud of Tommy Milot. What a what a uh, what a field warrior that Milot is.
0: He's yeah. Very, Ah, it's, it, it is a good program. So uh, yeah. and thanks for sharing that with us, too. Uh, we, uh, we wear those things on our sleeve because that's, oh. uh, you know, we can do that in Montana.
1: Well, Tom, I just got to tell you, I know we're, we've got bigger to talk about. Yeah. But, I mean, I have days, I remember as a little kid growing up in Bozeman going to Gatton Field, which was the field before they built the current stadium in 73. I mean, as a kid. Anyway, so this, this, these uh, these bobcat roots and my bobcat blood goes back to my earliest days as a, as a little kid in Bozeman. So it just it just hurts that much more. I think.
0: <laughs> oh, I I don't know why, but I like that. Um, of course, being a Grizz fan, you know. Uh. <laughs> now my dad's a
1: Grizzly here, so I've I grown up in a divided house. His dad's graduated from the University of Montana, so anyway, my dad's a little mixed up, but we still love him.
0: <laughs> well, um, and, and it's kind of hard to shift from there, but uh, Israel and Hamas is a various, yeah. a very serious situation to talk about. I know you um, are following it, and uh, you know you talked to some farmers down there. Tell us that story, but also how is Congress approaching this?
1: Yeah, it's a great point. Well, first, let me talk about kind of a great. Uh, story about our three Montana cowboys that went over to uh, to Israel to help them out after the terror attack on October seventh uh, It was three guys, uh, two from Augusta, Montana, and one from Hamilton, that went over there to help Israeli families in their time of need. It really shows you why Montana's so special. I did a zoom call with them last week. You got three guys they all got the floppy brim cowboy hats uh, missing a few teeth there and there I mean just was a couple, just three great, great guys who are helping the Israelis with some of their harvest issues. They're helping put tile down and repair some of their homes. just shows the heart of Montana, that cowboy heart, that servant heart that we have in our state taking care of people in need. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and the situation there is is, is still pretty grim. Um, uh, Congress's approach, how do you feel about it?
1: Well, first of all, um, I stand firmly with Israel, and I am uh, just uh, – I, I get upset, uh, angry, angry. Uh, and it's just very troubling to me to see the backlash that Israel's receiving yeah. uh, from from young people and 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 and, and others. the fact that there was you know a Palestinian flag flung uh, flying over Main Street Bozeman here this week just kind of shares the uh i think how how conflicted people are on this, but we need to allow israel. To do what it needs to do to defend itself. This is a moment of moral clarity that is so badly needed. I was one of the last U.S. senators to meet with Bibi Netanyahu in Jerusalem prior to the attack. I was there in late August. I was taken to the Hezbollah terror tunnels, uh, the border of Lebanon. We talk about Hamas and the Hamas terror tunnels with Gaza. I've been in those tunnels probably about uh, eight or nine years ago. But the Hezbollah terror tunnels, that were dug again. Hezbollah is another Iranian, another Iranian terror group. The Iranians support Hezbollah, Hamas, and then the, uh, the Houthis there in Yemen, and this all goes back, Tom, to a failed policies of the Democrats, of starting with Barack Obama and then Joe Biden and the Senate Democrats who embraced this, let's cut a deal with Iran, let's, let's try to make them our friends, they don't want to use nuclear power uh, for, for weapons. They want to use it for energy. That's nonsense. And we fought them on that for years. Now the chickens came home to roost as to see what's going on there. So what do we do going forward? We need to support Israel. I support additional lethal aid and defense aid for Israel to defend herself. It is our one sole most important friend in the Middle East. that's a democracy and that's Israel. Second, um, we need to continue to uh, uh, do the most important thing and that is secure Southern border. So, as we're looking at this, this issue of Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan, the first priority has got to be stopping the flow of the 8 million illegals that have come across the southern border, the 1.7 million known guideways, the some 200 individuals who were on this FBI terror watch list. It's unbelievable, Tom. I was just, my last trip was down in October, down that southern border. I was there on October 11th. It was jaw dropping to see Syrians, uh, people from Yemen. From Iran, from Iraq, they're apprehending them on the southern border. These are not just a bunch of Venezuelans and Hondurans and Guatemalans and Mexicans. It is people coming from the Middle East. Uh, the the South, San Diego Border Patrol put out a, a bulletin, a warning, warning about Hamas terrorists entering through the United States through the southern border. So our highest priority here in Washington has got to be stopping the flow of illegals coming into our country. It is a border security issue. And, Tom, if you don't have border security, you don't have national security. So that's where my priorities are, is I believe we should support Israel. I believe Ukraine should have lethal aid they need to continue to, to uh, uh, defend against Russia. I think it's in our best interest. Uh, but I also think it all starts with securing the southern border. If you don't secure the southern border, I'm not going to support the aid anywhere else.
0: So that aid has to be uh, tied then to improvements there. At, at the absolutely. Border. absolutely. Yeah. No,
1: that that's – I mean our our highest priority is securing our own nation, securing our borders. And so it starts there.
0: Um, I, I know you've got to run, and I really appreciate uh, your time here today in the conversation. Um, still lots to talk about there. But but talk about how this all relates to the uh, 2024 elections.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Montana is going to be uh, ground zero – For this country's future in 2024. It's as simple as this, Tom. Um, If Montana wins the United States, excuse me, if a Republican wins the United States Senate, if Tim Shee becomes Montana's United States Senator in November of 24, we have flipped the majority control because Joe Manchin announced his retirement, so now the Senate would be tied going into 25. If Montana elects Tim Shee to the United States Senate, we now just took majority control. That has huge consequences for the Supreme Court, for circuit court judges, the Ninth Circuit Court, for federal district judges, for ta- tax cuts, that Trump's tax cuts expire in 25. And so if you are a LLC, an S-Corp, or a limited partnership, and you pay at the higher rate, your taxes are going up 30% if we allow the Democrats to control the United States Senate. So the consequences are profound. One last thought. The two most senior Supreme Court justices are Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. They likely will retire in the course of the next presidential term. It's so important that we have ball controls, Republicans, to make sure we put common sense constitutional conservatives on the bench and do not allow Joe Biden and the Senate Democrats to put some of these radicals on the Supreme Court bench. So it's all up to Montana, and Montana will be the deciding state for the future of the United States Senate, which is the future of the Supreme Court, the circuit courts and federal district courts, which are lifetime appointments,
0: it's going to be a bit of a ride. Then uh, we're it looking. It will be a bit of a ride, Tom. Yeah. But uh,
1: <laughs> get ready and get yeah. in.
0: We're looking forward to it, uh, stay, uh, right. Senator Steve Daines. Thank you so much for your time and your public service, We Appreciate that. Thanks, uh, say Tom. hello to, to uh, Cindy and, and, and all your family for us. Okay? Uh,
1: you're very kind, Tom. Thank you. We're, we're gr- it's grateful to be a grandparent. We're enjoying that season of life.
0: <laughs> and, and sometime uh, we'll talk more about bobcats and grandparenting than we will policy. And that'll be,
1: that'll be a good day. <laughs> I look day. forward to that. Yeah. I look forward to that. Thank you, All sir. right, Tom. Thank you. Take care. There's an invasion happening at our southern border. Millions of illegals and dangerous drugs are coming into our country because of Biden's liberal policies pro-Trump conservative Tim Sheehy will fight back. A decorated Navy SEAL, Sheehy completed hundreds of combat missions. He was awarded the Bronze Star and the Purple Heart. Sheehy knows President Trump's border policies worked. That's why Sheehy supports Trump's wall and will destroy the Mexican drug cartels who bring deadly fentanyl into America. As Senator, Tim Sheehy will fight to end sanctuary cities, deport criminal illegals, and oppose amnesty. Sheehy is strong Strong on the border and tough on illegal immigration. Navy SEAL, political outsider, pro-Trump conservative, Tim Sheehy for Senate. More Jobs, Less Government is responsible for the content of this advertising. Paid for by More Jobs, Less
2: Government. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. www.morejobslessgov.com.
0: Mark Lambick will be joining us a bit later on. He's from Mecca, the Montana Electric Cooperatives Association, Director of Government Relations. We'll talk more about our energy portfolio and this uh, mediation agreement, tentatively over Columbia River operations. Just get a quick call in here from Bill Witsit, uh, a broadcasting legend, uh, of course, a, uh, a fellow, um, a, well, a, a host of this program from time to time, and a high-level energy official too. And uh, Bill, I appreciate you calling. You wanted to uh, lay down a comment off of, um, uh, something that Senator Daines well, was talking about.
3: Yes, right. By the way, that was a good discussion, really a good interview. But one of the things that uh, I think uh, we kind of overlook is that the rise of anti-Semitism that maybe many of us didn't realize must have been so close to the surface mm-hmm. doesn't just affect people in New York City or Chicago. I was taken this morning with the uh, headline and front page news article in the Kalispell paper about the distribution of anti Semitic materials recently right here in our community, which I find rather stunning uh, because, you know, we are better than this. When we try to characterize a whole group of people, uh, and especially with the history that we know, from the Holocaust and, and others, and those of us who are Christians know that that uh, God's people are our people. I mean, we we are the spiritual descendants of the Jews, and so for us to see this kind of, of hatred uh, and complacency is really very stunning and very sad to me.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing that to our attention as well, and I think you made an interesting point there about Um, uh, It takes us a little bit by surprise that perhaps this anti-Semitism was really under the surface more than we recognize. And uh, I think we saw there was 150 people. It was a peaceful protest, but they gathered at the Capitol in support of Palestine um, over this past weekend. Look, Bill, hang on here. We're going to switch to energy as we come on back with more. It's from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana.
1: Voices of Montana continues right after this. It's easy not to think about food security when there's food on the table, but right now, one out of ten Montanans is hungry. When families don't have
3: adequate access to nutritious food, that takes a very real toll on people's health. This is why Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Montana partners with Montana Food Bank Network.
2: Our interest in Blue Cross is we want the state, whether they're a member or not, to have adequate supply, access, composition of the food that they're able to get.
4: Learn more at
1: BigBlueSkyInitiativeMT.com it's time for the make the holidays bright sales event at your local ford dealer get special offers on our adventure-ready ford suvs or on our great selection of ford trucks choose from a large inventory of ford vehicles equipped with technology space and flexibility for any season and let ford make the holidays bright bringing everyone together visit your local ford dealer today during the make the holidays bright sales event
0: Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. Tomorrow on the program, it'll be Glacier National Park. I'm trying to get the name right because it's spelled Gina, but you say Gina. Okay, Jenna uh, Eisnigel will will join us. Too. uh she's a spokesperson for Glacier. They they've got some changes going on up there that, that might affect your summer plans. So that's on the docket for tomorrow. We re pick up uh, or pick up again this argument, this mediation, tentative mediation agreement over Columbia operations that had to be leaked out. Um, it is a uh, 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 well, it is a settlement in a lawsuit regarding salmon mitigation there, and uh, we talked with. Well, Senator Steve Daines earlier about this as well. Some great comments. Mark Lambrick joins us again, chatted with him on Thursday. He only had a few minutes and there's more to dive uh, into in this document. And also Bill Whitsitt stands by with us as well as um, former Devon Energy official, high level energy official, and also ran the American Exploration and Production Council as well. So I appreciate you calling in, Bill and Mark. Mark back on the air. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you, Tom.
0: Good. What have you, um, what have you learned? What have you done since the last time we talked about this agreement? What does the public need to know that we're missing out on?
2: Well, we've been pretty busy on this. Yeah. Uh, we had a conversation with uh, Mission Valley Power, and uh, they're discussing this issue with the Confederated Salish Kootenai Tribes Tribal Council. Uh, this would have a significant impact on, on their operations as well. Uh, Mission Valley Power acquires... More than 90% of their power from the Bonneville Power Administration. So this would have a, a significant impact on them. Uh, we also engaged our national organization, the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association, and they, through their uh, voices for cooperative power, initiated a grassroots campaign in six states in the Northwest, including Montana. So that is uh, emails out to employees, social media campaign, uh, circulation of a petition that montanans can sign on to and that information will be provided to uh, the delegations in those northwestern states including montana's uh, of course we continue to have conversations with the montana delegation governor's office uh, attorney general austin knutson Now we're we're pulling out all the stops trying to put as much pressure as we can on the white house not to approve this
0: secretive agreement well and and um I'm curious as to the confidence that you have that that pressure. I know I think there's a lot of avenues here to slow this down or or get it adjusted, I suppose. I don't know. But that's what I'm asking. Are there avenues? What's your confidence level that this is not a so-called backdoor done deal?
2: Well, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm I'm hoping that significant pressure from Congress uh, will be listened to by the White House uh, you know I think if there's enough pressure uh, that they understand that this is going to create problems for ratepayers throughout the Pacific Northwest that they would respond to that maybe take another look at this and uh, you know send a signal to to the courts that uh, this should not be moved forward and they should go take another look at uh, you know what the end result of this litigation would be
0: Again, Mark Lambrecht, um, uh, Director of Government Relations with the Montana Electric Cooperatives Association, one of our regional energy experts here. Uh, Brad Johnson has called in. Uh, Mr. Johnson, we'll get to your uh, comment here in a little bit. He's former PSC commissioner as well. And uh, Bill Witz is still standing by. Bill, I appreciate um, the call. And we have engaged uh, in discussions with energy. You have... Uh, guest hosted some programs regarding energy you've got a lot of experience there um, I was just going to open the floor to you about your thoughts on on this agreement this tentative agreement uh, the, maybe the ha- the way it was handled um, and and then any questions you might have sir
3: well uh, one of the things that I would just say and uh, is that it is uh, extremely important that the co-ops are as engaged as they are because as Steve Daines pointed out uh, this is where the rubber meets the road for so much of Montana in terms of our energy needs. And I guess my philosophy is that that there is no perfect energy source, but by golly, uh, hydro comes pretty close. And we need to be very careful that on the basis of uh, pseudoscience or whatever it is, or ideology, that we don't throw out uh, one of our most important, most reliable sources of energy. And the fact is, we are going to need more energy. We are going to need a lot more energy in the future, no matter what is um, the, the uh, situation with conservation and other things that we can certainly do better at. But we are a growing population. We are a growing economy uh, here in Montana and nationwide and so I just salute uh, what the co-ops and, and others who are trying to engage in this constructively are doing.
0: I'm going to um, pose a question here to Mark Lambrick regarding that, uh, about pseudoscience. But let's get a comment uh, as well from another energy expert, Brad Johnson, as I mentioned, uh, served a couple of terms on the Public Service Commission, was chairman, um, and then also uh, secretary, former secretary of state as well, and, and calls the program from time to time. And I appreciate you listening, Brad. Uh, some thoughts from you, sir.
4: Well, Tom, thanks. Uh, you know we've talked about this before, uh, but but this this backdoor deal uh, on the Snake River dams, frankly, is is a an indication that we need a real clarion call in terms of of just what the magnitude of the threat to resource adequacy in the western region is. You know, we had a year ago we had a four state conference on resource adequacy uh, uh, up at the Capitol, and and uh, Pat Barkey from the Bureau of Economic Research uh, said at that time that. We were within five to seven years of of the four states that were there, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana, becoming net importers of electricity. Uh, And and then you start taking out of the portfolio uh, uh, assets like the the dams on the lower snake, and you're just going to make that situation that much worse. The western region truly is at risk. Uh, of not having enough electricity to keep the lights on at peak demand within five to seven years. And we've got to make that fact clear to the people of Montana and and the people of the western region. You know, the only thing missing from this plan that uh, uh, we're talking about today is reality. Um, Other than that, it's great. But we simply cannot meet uh, the demand for electricity if we keep uh, closing down uh, all of these uh, dispatchable, uh, 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 dispatchable resource generating resources. It, it's we're 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 heading headlong towards a, a, a real disaster. Montanans are not going to be very happy uh, about the fact that we start facing rolling blackouts in the middle of February
0: and for energy that we can't afford anyway. Um, uh, right. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to have Mark uh, Lambert again. He's with Mecca, the government relations director there. Comment on that. And, and maybe, Mark, um, it's it, talk about the difference between I'm just going to quote the phrase or or just coin the, phrase, the pseudoscience and the real science. Um, it, it, it There's a lot of people feeling that this doesn't match up. Um, how do we get back to uh, this uh, confirmative sciences?
2: Great question, Tom. So. Within the confidential mediation document, uh, there's a couple of times it says the science is clear and I'm pra- paraphrasing now. The, the time is right now to move forward with doing everything possible that we can to save salmon and steelhead and, and other fish species in the Columbia River system. So what I would say to that is since 1981, uh, Bonneville Power Administration ratepayers have spent over $16 billion in salmon recovery efforts. And the result of that has been more salmon are now returning to the Pacific Ocean than during the levels before the dams were constructed. And spring juvenile salmon survival has improved to 96%. Summer migrating fish survival is 93% past each dam. That exceeds the Endangered Species Act standards and is comparable to free-flowing rivers. That's the science that we would point to. So why in the world would we pave the way to breaching lower Snake River dams, which provide that critical base load power to the region, when the the science, as I just mentioned, is pretty clear the salmon are doing okay?
0: Well, then it sounds like um, this case should go forward instead of having some kind of a backdoor agreement here from the Biden administration with just six sovereigns here. And maybe, Mark, you can tell me why there's just six sovereigns. they got four tribes, and then they consider Washington and Oregon a sovereign state um, or a sovereign in this agreement. I don't know that I agree with that. But it seems like then if uh, the math, uh, the science indicates that, then they don't have a suit. It should just, just go to, well, I guess the courts are a crapshoot, aren't they?
2: Well, you know, Tom, that's one of the other things we haven't talked about on this program yet is another major factor of this agreement is it shifts decision-making authority over fish and wildlife restoration programs away from the Northwest Power and Conservation Council and transfer that over to the six sovereigns, states of Oregon and Washington and the four tribal nations that we mentioned before. Uh, Those six sovereigns will be provided autonomous authority over spending and determining restoration program priorities—that doesn't seem like the uh, the right way to go here. This, well, this power should remain with that council.
0: Well, and this is that's the, the one of the big things here, and you mentioned it as well. Um, it's it's an operational change here, very fundamental operational change here. Shouldn't there be more um, stakeholders involved? Uh, I, I, I don't know how this agreement. I guess it can be worked out. It's a mediation agreement. Um, but there are there's just such a bigger field here that has concerns than than just these six sovereigns. Um, how do we back it up well, and get more stakeholders in?
2: Well, of course, there should be more stakeholders involved. Uh, public power was not included as a stakeholder. Uh, other tribal nations in the region, other states, Idaho, Montana, namely um, other other types of industries, whether it's recreation, irrigation, irrigation. Uh, navigation uh, moving montana grain uh, down the columbia river system and there's all kinds of other very significant stakeholders that should have a more meaningful input into any agreement
0: i'm up against a break here um uh, brad or bill do you guys have any any further comment brad first
4: uh tom no i I just i want to thank you for shining a light on, on, on this. It's so vitally important. And this is a, a situation where if if we get the people of Montana uh, uh, educated on the threat that this poses, um, uh, they can be a powerful force in, in, in helping push back against this thing. And, and I certainly agree, the litigation needs to go forward to try and, and stop this. It is inexcusable that, that this handful of unelected uh, individuals is is making a policy decision that is is going to have such dramatic impact on the people of this state and the people of the western region
0: i'm glad to call brad bill
3: i would only say that um, montanans across the board need to focus on issues like this and need to understand exactly what pat barkey was saying and what i've worked on a lot with uh, bber and others and that is we are heading in montana for some very crucial times of resource adequacy and reliability and cost as we begin to compete with um, Washington, Oregon, and California for purchase of, of power when we lose our ability to produce enough here. So we just need to be very careful. I salute uh, Mark and Brad and others who are trying to, to make sure there is a good constructive conversation. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, uh, that's Bill Witsit, Brad Johnson as well. We'll take a break and come on back. Mark Lambert uh, will conclude here for the hour. Uh, we'll maybe talk about that energy need upcoming here. As Senator Daines had said and Bill Witsit reiterated 50 percent over the next 25 years, we need to have a plan to meet that need. Back with more, Mark Lambrick will join us from Mecca on Voices in just a bit.
3: The steak sizzling on the grill that marks the new season. The stew that warms the soul on cold winter nights. The comforting aroma of pot roast that awaits after a long day. The taco night when even the pickiest of eaters are overjoyed. And at the center of it all, beef. Find winning beef recipes for all occasions. At beef, it's what's for dinner. Dot com. Funded by beef farmers and ranchers.
0: You think about what you're doing right now and you look at all the energy around you that you're you're consuming to be effective. Um, we just can't be cavalier about this energy need that we have here. Experts are predicting 50 percent increase in the next 25 years. That's just the U.S. Um, Mark Lambert is with us here from Mecca, the uh, director of government relations here as we're talking about. This uh, Again, it was a leaked plan that had to come out, a mediation agreement. Uh, The threat here is removal of these hydroelectric dams that have supplied so much clean and affordable energy for years and years. Uh, Mark, uh, again, uh, just a couple of minutes here in conclusion. But uh, resource adequacy needs to be front and center here because we are falling short, it seems like.
2: Yeah, Tom. So certainly resource adequacy is the big issue of the day. Uh, you know, Brad Johnson mentioned a couple of times in the last two years, Montana has come dangerously close uh, to not having enough uh, electricity supply for its growing demand, uh, particularly in the extreme uh, weather months, uh, most particularly in winter. Uh, that's why Mecca has been working with the legislature through the Energy Telecommunications Interim Committee on a plan on how to deal with that on power reserves uh, hoping to have a bill ready for the next legislative session so that we don't face those situations of uh, rolling blackouts in Montana. But right now, you know, we're losing that baseload generation that's dispatchable and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we're transitioning over to more renewable energy uh, that is not baseload generation. But this agreement would make that worse. Uh, you're taking... Uh, significant megawatts out of that Pacific Northwest system. You know, just the Lower Snake River Dams, uh, it's between a thousand to three thousand megawatts of electricity uh, should Congress authorize the Lower Snake River Dams to be breached. You know, that's a significant amount of power, about three hundred and thirty megawatts of power, uh, just for western Montana. And uh to lose that would be devastating. And and I should mention here you mentioned uh five seconds removal Oh, sure, you mentioned removal of the dams. The the immediate threat is changing the the operation of it. That's what's in the agreement.
0: We'll follow up Uh, on it. You guys have a great day. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. And join us daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for more Voices of Montana, a live issue-oriented talk show, heard daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on local stations all across Montana.